Hello and welcome back to another episode of A Cozy Christmas Podcast. My name is Art and we are beginning Season 3. And in today's episode, we're talking a lot about books today. I hope your January has been going well. Uh, where we live, COVID numbers have been going up and a lot of people we know have been struggling with it. But uh, so far, our family's staying healthy and safe, and I hope the same for you as well. Well, 2022 has been off to, let's say, a bit of a rough start. And at least where we live, we have a couple of months ahead of cold, snowy weather, which I love, don't get me wrong, I just wish it would happen over Christmas time instead of January and February and March and then tease us in April and maybe throw in a snowstorm in there somewhere. So what's new on our brand new shiny season? Uh, Well, I'm excited to say as I look ahead for the the next 11 months until Christmas Day 2022, I have some fun things planned. Will I be able to accomplish those fun things? Well, that remains to be seen. (laughs) But we're going to roll with it. And I love doing this podcast. And we're going to keep doing that and bringing you new and fun things uh, throughout this year. So like I mentioned, today we're going to be talking about books. Uh, As we stare into the abyss of the winter months ahead, what better time to stay inside and read. And that's my goal for this winter, is to get more reading done, because goodness knows I need to read more, right? Well, as you might have seen, one of the new things we're doing this year is a monthly reading challenge. I've taken 12 different movie titles and arranged some reading challenges based on those titles. So this month in January, we are looking at the uh, the Santa Claus reading challenge, which is to read a, a story or a book that is about family. So I chose to read uh, Dr. Marigold by Charles Dickens. And that one is just a, sh- a short story. And I actually uh, recorded myself reading that and that, and I released that last week. So if you have not listened to that episode yet, I, let me encourage you to do that because I'll be talking about uh, that story uh, in this episode today. And so as part of the reading challenge, every Wednesday, I will be posting on Facebook different reading comments and just to to check in with my listeners and to see what you all are reading. And we've had some response already, even in January. And I I really appreciate those of you who have jumped on board this month and have started in January. Of course, at any time during the year, you are welcome to start on the challenge and to see how many you get through. I'll continue to be posting some content on YouTube, maybe not as frequently as I had hoped, but uh, I will. So just uh, if you're subscribed to our YouTube channel, please uh, you know keep your subscription there, uh, as well as uh, be on the lookout for uh, some some bonus videos coming here and there uh, throughout this year. I do want to do videos of the cozy book corner, but that might be more hit and miss than once a month. And I, I really was hoping to do that, but. Just looking at things right now, uh, that might be a little bit too much uh, to take on right now. So um, I'll do that as time allows. So I'll also be continuing on doing my my book podcast, The Bookshelf Odyssey, to talk about 
all the great books and stories that go beyond Christmas. And that's its whole separate uh, channel and podcast as well. So you can find that information out uh, in our show notes. So to talk about the book challenge, I want to talk about the movie, The Santa Claus. I chose the theme for this movie to be um, to read a story that has to do with family, because this film is all about family. You, you know, Scott is trying to connect with his son as they go through a divorce uh, or have been divorced. His his ex-wife is dating somebody else who is obnoxiously a nice guy. One of the things I love about this film is that they don't portray the boyfriend, the future stepdad, to be a villain. Uh, he They all truly care about Charlie. And I think that's a fresh take on what could have been very traditional roles. And I think that's part of what keeps this movie good and why I keep coming back to it. It's just, it still seems like a fresh approach to telling the story. But the family themes are very strong in this movie. So I wanted to read us, us to read a story about, uh, about family. And I'm looking forward to talking about what some of you have been reading and I'll share some of that in a little bit. Well, without further ado, let's go to the Cozy Book Corner. And I have been teasing and promising a very special guest today. And that promise is about to be fulfilled. I have my wife on the podcast. Her name is Erin. We have been married for almost 22 years now and have been avid readers through most of that time together. Um, so I am very excited to have her on the podcast to talk about books and what we read uh, for this reading challenge in January. I have been hinting at a very special guest, and today she is here. It is the nutmeg to my eggnog. Oh boy. <laughs> it's my one and only wife. Aaron. Hi. I've never been on a podcast before. Oh, this is exciting. It is. It's my debut. <laughs> Your debut. Yes. Well, well, never mind. I'll be nice. You probably should. I know where you sleep. <laughs> oh dear. Well, this is going off off the rails already. So it's what we do best. That's right. Uh, in this episode, we're talking about books to get the new year started, which is always a great way to start the new year, right? Definitely. Yep. And to finish the old year and to spend all the days in between. Yeah. Yeah. I got to, <laughs> I got to find the job where I just get paid to read a book. And I think I got a job at a library, but I also have to do other things. So my hopes were dashed. Yeah. And this pesky customers coming in. Yeah. Books, making yeah. copies. They're very rude. I was going to have you share a little bit about what it's like working at a library just to start things off. Sure. Well, it's a real small library, small community. There's only two of us who uh, work here at our library and um, I am not the boss, which is the way I like it. <laughs> could have could fooled me. <laughs> <clears throat> Again, I know where you sleep. I have really enjoyed it. Uh, we lived in this community for six years or so before I started working in the library. And within a few months, I had met more people um, from the community than I had in the six years beforehand, which I really, which I really enjoy um, just getting to know people. Some days uh, 
it's really quiet and other days will be fairly busy. So my main responsibilities are, you know, cleaning and planning, planning activities for the kids, especially during the summertime and doing interlibrary loan, which is not a difficult thing, but it does take a lot of my time up. So, and then this time of year mopping, because people bring in all their crud off the streets. So there's a lot of mopping and involved. It's a very exciting job. It really truly is, but I love it. Um, I like, I like being out in the community and I like, um, getting to know the patrons and think the books that they enjoy. And, and then I like that sometimes it's quiet and I can read a book, Mm. which is my favorite. So what's the best way to encourage our local library? Use it. I mean, seriously, I, We put a lot of work into trying to make our library a welcoming place for people of all ages. We spend a lot of time and money trying to buy books that will appeal to our patrons. We, you know, putting together programming for people of all ages. And it's really discouraging when people don't come. I went to a library training yesterday and since COVID, it's been really complicated. Uh, You know, do we do in person? Do we do online? Do, you know, how do we do it all? But, you know, if, even if you're not comfortable going to a program, just stopping by your library or calling and asking for a book. Most of us are really, really happy to hook people up with books. And I mean, I think people would be surprised if they knew all the things that are available through their library. I mean, at our library, which is just this dinky little library in a podunk little Iowa town, you know, we, you can order books from all over the state. You can obviously use the computers. We've got special tablets for the kids to use. We've got lots of toys and games that can be checked out. We've got on our website, there's um, like there, you, if you have a kid in school, like there's online tutoring, it's free. It's live through the state Mm. library. Um, I mean, we've got all kinds of things, plus the programs that we put a lot of time and effort into, you know, so just showing up and using your library and, um, being involved that way. Every time you check a book out, we get a little more funding so that we can keep open and keep doing stuff. So it it really doesn't take much. Just come in and use it. That's why we're there. We want, you know, we're not just there to, I mean, as much as I love to sit and read, (laughs) that's really not why I'm at the library. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, I was going to say, so every time you check out a book, you get funding. Well, that's, that's why librarians love our kids so much. (laughs) Yes. Well, yeah. I mean, it's not quite that simple, but every year my boss has to put together this huge report that basically shares all the details of everything we've done at the library all year. How many programs we ran, how many people came, how many books were checked out, how many hours were spent using the Wi-Fi. I mean, all kinds of crazy stuff. And all of that stuff is what helps the state determine how much funding we're going to get. So that includes like if you use your online library in Iowa, we have, it's called Bridges, but there's different ones in different states. And if you're using your library card to check out books, Audible books or Kindle books or whatever, those, that money is, I mean, all of that is um, attributed to your library. So your library will get funding for it. That helps us be able to keep our doors open. I have a lot of people who walk in from out of town and are just like, wow, this is such a beautiful library for such a little town. And part of that is because people do use it not as much as we would like them to, but they do use it and and we're able to keep our doors open because people use it. Mm-hmm. It's one of those great things. Like you come in and it's free and we don't even charge fines at our library. I mean, like literally you, pretty much anything you do except make copies at our library is free. You come in and use it and it's free, but we still are getting the funding we need to stay open because you're there. And those are good things. 
I had asked on another group chat about questions. Uh, yeah. Th- this would be a more uh, serious one <laughs> or not serious, but. I'm very serious about libraries. <laughs> not potentially as awkward, but. <laughs> oh, good. One lady just asked uh, to ask about things that we just kind of talked about that though, about things that we might not know about the library that you would know. And some of that is just how you get funding that. Sure. Yeah. Well, and some libraries are different. We also get funding through grants and stuff. Like my boss spends a lot of time writing grant proposals. We get money from the city, but like the money we get from the state is all through like usage and that sort of thing. I would just say we can help with a lot of stuff. (laughs) Mm. You know, the library kind of becomes this like random repository of random information. And so, I mean, I get people all the time that stop in and they're like, is there anywhere to eat in town? And like, where's the nearest Starbucks? I'm like, it's a very long way away, but there's a good coffee shop, you know, half an hour up the road, Um, whatever, you know? So, but we get, you know, I, I can help. If you need a book that we don't have, I can get it for you. Most of the time, if you don't know how to use your, um, your Kindle or your phone, we can help you. And most libraries are better at this than we are because we just have such a small group of patrons. But, you know, most libraries are offering classes. If you've got a parent who doesn't understand how to use their their tablet and you're trying to get them on there, you know, mm. take your, like, they usually offer classes. Most libraries are offering classes in technology and that kind of thing. And also, like, we just really love to talk about books. At least I do. You know, it's if you come in and you tell me about the last the latest book you read and that is that's fun. I mean, that's part of why I want to work in a library cuz I love books and I love to talk about books. And so I I I I'm busy, but I want people to know at least in our library that like I do have time to talk and I think that's an important part of being in our community is is being there to talk. The library up north of us has Wi-Fi hotspots that you can check out. I mean, there's all kinds of stuff at your library that you might not think of. We have at our library of STEM, um, that's uh, science, technology, engineering, and mathematics bags that the children can check out that, I mean, they've got games and books and all kinds of fun stuff. I mean, and there's, it's just all there for people to use and, and it's fun. And, you know, so I don't know if I'm really answering the question, but I think that most librarians really are become librarians because we want to help people and we want to encourage literacy. And we have a lot of things that we're trying to do. And, you know, if you're just wondering, how do I get access to this? I mean, if someone came in the library and was like, how do I get tutoring? I'm like, I can show you that because we have it right on our website, you know, but most people probably aren't aware of that. So go see what your library has to offer. Check out their website. Someone spends a lot of time building that and it's I didn't know we had a website. <laughs> exactly. Yikes. We do. Um <laughs> we actually have a new one because the state library just gave everyone new new websites last year. So oh, okay. we haven't played too much with it, but it does have like like links to all kinds of really interesting stuff if you're interested in it. So hmm. so I hope that answers the question. I'm not sure yeah. if it really did or not, but I think so. I'm learning a lot. Well uh, let's see. And then uh, she also asked the funniest encounter with a patron and best encounter with a patron. Oh, and I, that's a whole book. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really bad at remembering stories. Most of the stories I have to tell, I probably shouldn't. Uh, <laughs> you have it or not. <laughs> <laughs> like <laughs> we have a few interesting people who come in fairly regularly. 
I think my favorite interactions are the ones with the little kids who come in and our library is long and narrow. And my desk is kind of at the back right before the children's section and it's all hardwood floors. And so the kids will come in and just like tear all the way down the library to get to the kids section. And, and it just makes me laugh every time we had one little girl who used to open the door and say, hello. (laughs) And I was like, hi. And I always knew who it was. I, I don't know. I, I, I just think, I think the kids are fun. And I love when um, older kids come in and want help finding a book because like, yay, older kids reading. Um, that's mm. really great. If I think of any funny stories, I will tell you, I like, I'm, I, I'm easily entertained, but then I forget the stories very quickly. This is, <laughs> there's not a lot of space in my brain. That's what happens when you turn 28. That's exactly know. right. I turned 28 and all my brain cells went away. <laughs> been turning 28 now for the last 15 years. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I'm getting some great questions now. All right. Uh, so she asked to tell about a time she had to track down a book for a client based on super vague remembrances. Like it was blue. Oh, <laughs> I have heard stories like that. Does that actually happen? It ha- it ha- it does to some people. I don't know that it's ever happened to me, but I've heard stories in librarian message boards. It's you know, the favorite was the one who had read the book like 25 years ago. And she's like, and it was about a, you know, it was like really, really vague, but I don't think I've ever had anyone come in and just be like, I once read this book and it was white <laughs> with a duck on the front. Like, I don't know if I could do it either. I don't feel like I've yeah. been a librarian long enough, unless it's a book I happen to have read, which there is a lot yeah. of them, but a lot of the books our patrons read are, um, pretty like popular fiction, which is actually not something I read a ton of. So I'm not always as familiar. If you need to know about the latest James Patterson, all I can tell you is we probably have it. I just don't know anything about it other than that. Yeah. Uh, Now this one, I I know will resonate with you. It says uh, a book you've read because you saw it at work that you never would have picked up otherwise. Oh, like half of them. (laughs) Well, I mean, there's, if I had time, I think I could just like spend months, probably years, just reading the books on our shelves that interest me, especially the stuff that like isn't the new releases. You know, our new releases are are always very prominently displayed, but it's like the backlist stuff that's just sitting on the shelf, kind of nobody ever checks it out. And every now and then I'm putting books away, I'm like, oh, that looks really interesting. And then I'm like, oh, I have a lot of books already right now. <laughs> um, I think that one of the ones I probably would not have read, at least not as quickly as I did, was... Um, it's called Dear Edward by Anne Neapolitino. And it was one of my favorite books of 2020. And honestly, it was just, it was right before I had foot surgery and I was just grabbing books because I knew I was going to be laid up for a while. And which was the best part of having foot surgery, truly mm. all the books I got to read <laughs> with not feeling guilty about, that I, without feeling guilty that I should be doing housework <laughs> or something. <laughs> about the only good thing, I guess. But Well, yeah. <laughs> Well, I got to lay around a lot too. These are my love languages. Um, But that book, I don't know if I would have picked it up and it turned out to be one of my favorite books. And I just really, I think it's a really sweet book about, I don't know. It was just very hopeful. It was sad, but it was hopeful. If you read uh, what it's about, and I'd spent a couple of years since I read it um, and I'm not really good at like blurbing books. Like there's some people who are just really good at that, but you know, it's about a family that's in a plane crash and the child is the only one who survives. So like, it sounds like a really super downer book, but it's very sweet and hopeful. I mean, yes, it's sad. It's not like a jolly romp in the park, but it is 
it's a lot, it's just a sweet book. And it was one of those ones that like stuck with me. And I, like I said, I mean, maybe I would have picked it up at some point, probably not unless it happened. I mean, maybe if I like heard a lot of people talking about it, um, I would have grabbed it eventually, but so. what, what was that called? Uh, Dear Edward. Oh, Dear Edward. Okay. Yes. It has a blue cover. It's very pretty. I could go get it <laughs> off the shelf if you want me to. <laughs> no, no, that's fine. <laughs> Does being surrounded by books all day ever dampen your love uh, for reading in your free time? Not yet. The thing is, I'm surrounded by books, but I don't have time to read all the ones I want to. So because yeah. I'm in school, I'm also reading a lot of books about like organizational leadership, which is super fun. Um <laughs> Yeah, not a class I would have liked just chosen to take. It hasn't happened yet. Every now and then I hit a book slump, but not very often. I really, I really enjoy reading and I just always have. And when I'm in a book slump, a lot of times I'll listen to audiobooks and that kind of helps. For some reason, an audiobook doesn't feel like as big of an investment because I can do other stuff, housework, which apparently is something I'm supposed to do sometimes. <laughs> I have this really mean husband. He expects the house not to be a dump. I just want to stand up for him. I'm just being a brat because <laughs> I think art does at least as much housework as I do. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah. Of course, I, I make a lot of the, at least a fifth of the mess. So. At least a fifth. <laughs> the bird is a whole fifth all by himself. Don't listen, Pickwick. <laughs> <laughs> Here, here's what. Uh, do you prefer the Dewey Decimal System or alphabetical order or by genre to organizing books? I like the Dewey Decimal System because it leaves no mystery about where the book belongs. I'm not sure. I think it actually makes sense, but I like when there's like all those little numbers on the spine and I just have to go pop it in. At our library, all of our fiction is just by um, alphabetical by last name, which I like. My personal library is by genre and then alphabetically, except for the books behind me, which are organized by color <laughs> because it makes me happy. And I used to have all my books organized by color because it was pretty. And I really, I don't know. It just, it just is one of those things that every time I look at my books, I'm like, oh, they're so pretty, but it does make things hard to find. So I did like take all my fiction and some of that stuff and put it in by, by author or yeah, yeah by author's last name. So I, at the library, I, the way the adult books are were organized, we, it's like, we have, we have general fiction and then we have Westerns and romances and Christian and, and stuff. And those are all just organized by, by author's last name, the children's books at our library are a hot mess that I need to like deal with, but don't want to children's books are hard to organize because there's so many different types of books. you got your picture books and your easy readers and your little early chapter books and then your harder chapter books. And I mean, it, this all sounds like a very first world problem, <laughs> <laughs> but it is like hard to figure out exactly what the best yeah. way is to organize all that stuff so that you can put it away easily. And so also the, so that the kids can find it easily. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, I like the Dewey decimal system because it gives me a very clear place to put the books in, but it's what we use because my boss makes that decision. So if we change to something, I would just have to learn how to deal with it. Yeah. I, I just, I'm imagining a library that is not organized by color. I and mean, it would be pretty. <laughs> I did. At, chaotic evil. That's what that is. That, that, oh, no. I think it's chaotic good. Um, <laughs> chaotic neutral, maybe we can compromise. <laughs> okay. I 
I um, made a big book Christmas tree in our, we have a display case at the front of the library at Christmas and it was all green. So I just walked all over the library, like grabbing green books off the shelves and I didn't take any new releases. And I tried to get as much from the nonfiction section as I could because nobody ever checks out our nonfiction books, but I did. I did some regular fiction. I'm like, no, like we don't have enough patrons that like someone was going to be like, I need the book that's third from the bottom. I really wasn't worried about it. It was such a hassle to put all that stuff away. It would have been much easier if we just had a green section is all I'm saying. (laughs) Much easier. (laughs) My boss was like, maybe next year we could put lights on it. I'm like, how are we going to get lights in there? This was hard enough. It's like really hard to do this. Nobody appreciates (laughs) how hard I work to make my book Christmas tree. It's very pretty though. Sorry, now I'm ranting. (laughs) You appreciate it. You better. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, uh, we might have to come back to some of these questions next time. These are uh, might be fun. Sounds good. Thank you, um, Carolyn and Chelsea, for sending in quickly all those questions. That's great. I had (laughs) one podcaster just asked, what are the things I do that make you imagine yourself murdering me slowly, but it's so justified that any jury in the country wouldn't convict you? Boy, Don't I think I know I need a separate episode for this. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, I mean, you're really not that annoying of a human being. Oh, that's good. Let's just leave it at there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that'd be great. I don't know. Once I got my snoring under control, it's yeah, um, and then I took the over. So now you're the one who's going to be justified in murdering me. <laughs> I, I like, I really can't. Every now and then you get on my nerves, but I mean, my nerves, you are a people and people are annoying. So just the way we all are yeah if i think of anything though i'll let you know oh okay <laughs> art from the bookshelf odyssey podcast he asked if um <laughs> wait isn't <Sorry>. that you <laughs> what's it like being married to a world famous ratty award-winning podcaster oh, that's a good question what's a ratty what's a ratty the totally rad christmas podcast um, i i won last year um that's right. the, ki- I rem- the kindest guest award I remember, I remember that now that you say it. Got the award. So, so you, you just did that whole thing with that, like, so art from the bookshelf artist. And I'm like, there's another art who does podcasts. (laughs) (laughs) And then I realized it was you. So thank you for making me feel like a blonde today. Um, It is a great honor and privilege to just be the, the woman who stands behind the man behind the microphone Reminding him to pick up his socks. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Okay. On we go. All right. <laughs> now for the actual reason you're here. Yay. This year I'm starting a uh, reading challenge for our listeners to each month will be a prompt, a reading prompt based on a movie title. Uh, I like the idea of taking a movie and then making you read a book. <laughs> it's, I don't know if I, Ironic is the right word, but yeah, we usually do it the other way around. <laughs> right. <laughs> but this month is Santa Claus. That's uh, one of my favorite Christmas movies. And there were several prompts I could have drawn from this, but I went with the uh, family theme because it is uh, very much a family movie about family. I don't know if you heard, but they are Disney Plus is doing a mini series of Santa Claus coming really? out this, this December, I think. Mm-hmm. And I am really excited about that. So, who's going to play in that? Um, well, Tim Allen is back. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't. I don't haven't heard any other casting, but okay. Basically, he wants to retire, so he mm-hmm. has to find somebody to to, to push give. off a roof. No. <laughs> oh wait, no. He just has to jump off a roof. My bad. 
Yeah, yeah. He's I don't think I actually suicide. watched that this this. Oh, Christmas. we didn't watch it this year. Yeah, I'm really excited about it. There's there's mm-hmm. been some grumpy naysayers out there, but they're all. But spooky. you're not one of them. No. <laughs> Tim Allen can do no wrong. Well, okay, that's not true, but that might be that might be wrong. <laughs> <laughs> but I love Tim Allen as Santa Claus could do no wrong. <laughs> I, I love his movies, and I'm excited about exploring that in a mini series because it'll it'll give it a little time to flesh out but not too much time where it's dragging on hope hopefully but but if not the original's good and we all have it because everyone's making a joke about oh is somebody going to kill him is that what's going on but um, if you look at the original text of the card it says that once you put on the suit you are santa until um, you're unable to do so whether by accident or design. So to me, that gives leeway to say, design, all right, I'm retiring. I'm going to give the suit to somebody else. I've thought way too much about this. So. I, I think maybe you have. <laughs> <laughs> all right, fine. It's okay. <sighs> this is the we? kind of thing you stay up late thinking about <laughs> when you can't sleep. <laughs> Actually, <laughs> that's all, all right. So we're talking about books about family and <laughs> what, uh, what book did you read for this challenge? Let's talk about that one. Sure. So I read the book, Jane of Lantern Hill. Uh, it is by Lucy Mon Montgomery, who is most well-known for the Anne of Green Gables book series. Uh, when I was a child, I was basically obsessed with her and I've read most of the books that she read. There are a few collections of short stories and stuff that she put together that I maybe haven't read, but for the most part, I've read most of her books and Jane of Lantern Hill. I still have a copy I had as a child and it's like literally falling apart. Pages were falling out of it as I was reading it. What's that about? So I'm going to give a little uh, confession, which is that I don't always deeply remember every book I read. I read so much. So sometimes I'm like, oh, that was fun. And then I like a week later, I couldn't really tell you what it was about. Um, (laughs) The ones that, but this one I've read like a hundred times. So uh, I could, I could give a pretty good synopsis of it, but uh, Jane is, um, this is, I think it's one of the last books that uh, Lucy Maud Montgomery wrote because it, it seems more modern. She lives in Toronto with her mom and her grandmother and her aunt, and they call her Jane Victoria that she's named after both of her grandmothers and her father is not in the picture. And her life is very um, stuffy and boring and Jane is awkward and kind of, kind of like she's unhappy and her mom is very um, busy. She's like a socialite. She's always going out. And so Jane is lonely and Jane's grandmother is very controlling. You know, it's kind of a sad little girl story, which is what L.M. Montgomery is kind of known for. Um, So life changes when she gets an unexpected letter. Well, her mom does from Jane's father saying, I want her to come to Prince Edward Island for the summer. And Jane didn't even know that her father was alive. So uh, the story kind of unspools from there with uh, Jane getting to know um, this side of her, her life, her father and, um, uh, Prince Edward Island, which is obviously very different from Toronto, which is a big city. And um, I don't know, it's it's not Lucy Maud Montgomery's best work. 
Um, there's a reason that Anne of Green Gables is really famous and Jane of Lantern Hill is not, but it's like a big hug for me. Cause I read it so many times as a little girl that like, mm. it just is like wrapping myself up in a cozy blanket with a hot chocolate when I read it. So it was a really good way to start my, my year of reading this year. I read Anne of Green Gables for the first time this, was it this year or last year? Well, 2021, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't really, remember. that was the first time you ever read it. Yeah, well, I had the movies and they're mm-hmm. perfect and beautiful and romantic. Okay, they are. But. So I'll tell a funny story about that when <laughs> you've heard it. But okay. my mom, whenever we would watch Anne of Avonlea and it would get to the end and Anne and Gilbert would be you know, reunited and expressing their undying love for each other. And, and Anne would say, I don't want diamond sunbursts or marble halls. I just want you. And then they'd kiss with the sunset, like behind them, you know, my mom would cry every time, every time. And so my sister and I used to queue up that movie right to that spot. I call my mom into the living room and hit plays just so that she could hear, I don't want diamonds. And my mom, I mean, I'm not kidding. She'd come out of the kitchen with her hands like covered in flour from cooking or whatever and be like, what do you girls want? <laughs> it was the greatest thing. So we were mean. And it sounds like something I should, my children would get revenge on me for if only they could get me to watch TV, which I don't do very often. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was going to say that was even back in the day of VCR. So oh yeah. It was a lot took, of work. That took work. That took dedication. Like now you could just probably find it on YouTube where it's just that one little section of the scene and just play it over and over again, which I really should hmm. do and send to my mom and see if it makes right. her cry. <laughs> I have to do that. Um, Sounds like a really but, great idea. <clears throat> yeah. Um, I think it was an audiobook. I can't even remember now. Wow. Oh yeah. Cause didn't, um, um did Rachel McAdams is that who yeah, it is? Just who it record that, and so yeah, that yeah. was like a, a a new recording of that. And I really loved Matthew in the movies, uh, mm-hmm. and then the book he's even he's even better. I don't know, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. just a great character. And spoiler alert, if you if you care, but <laughs> the ending of of the first book uh, and and Matthew's unfortunate demise. Oh man, I was gutted, and you know I'm like. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> crying over a children's book. Do you remember no. when we watched that movie with the boys when they were little and they both yes. wept when Matthew died? Like, yes. yes, yes, it was. I hadn't even thought about it, but man, they were so emotional. Yeah, it was cute. Now they're just like all the death in all the movies. Yeah. Uh. All right. Well, I read um, Doctor Marigold by Charles Dickens, and this month it's it's kind of a cheat because it's a short story. But um, I see how you are, Aaron. You have to read a novel. <laughs> I'm going to read, read a short story. <laughs> well, okay, I did I'm say just being a brat. <laughs> I've read that book so many times; it didn't really take me very long. <laughs> now, I don't know. Have you read Doctor Marigold? It's I a, haven't. Okay, so this is a, this story I'd never heard of before until we started seeing um, Gerald Dickens perform. Mm-hmm. Um, you know the 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 idol to my. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway. The one we have the shrine to. I gotcha. Right. Um. <laughs> I'm only sort of kidding, folks. Uh, anyway, but when I thought of a family story, that's when I thought of. Uh, and plus, with it being a, a classic and a short story, I could read it. So if people haven't listened to the last episode I just released, um, I read the story there, so you can 
listen to it. So I wanted to talk about it without spoilers. Uh, <laughs> uh, anyway, I heard uh, Gerald Dickens talked about it because I think somebody had asked him a question. What is a, a Dickens story that nobody's ever heard of that you think people should read? And he mentioned that and how he does a one-man version of it. And so, of course, being the nerd that I am, I had to go home and, and find this. And sure enough, I read it. And it's it's this really powerful little story about um, a guy named Dr. Marigold. He's not a, a physician, um, but he's what's called a, a cheap jack, which is kind of like uh, a peddler kind of person who travels the country with a wagon full of junk trying to sell it. As one does. And they have to use, I, I described it as kind of a traveling thrift store. And then you have to, through the, um, like the ability to, uh, to talk and charm a crowd, you're trying to sell these items, you know, and, and uh, so he has to live kind of by his wits and by his ability to speak and to be funny and charming and all that, which I, I really struggled trying to read that story. <laughs> so, but so he, uh, he's named doctor because uh, his dad named him after the man who d- helped deliver him, which you know oh. the guy was a doctor. So <laughs> Uh, and the, the whole story we should have that, named our children that way too. It's a really great idea. What happens? Is, and this is actually gets pretty dark for for Dickens. Even uh, he he gets married. They have a, a child, and his wife is very. You know, he he actually speaks kindly of her, but he says that she loses her temper a lot, and she and she beats their child, and and like uh, abuses her, and and is kind of neglectful and all this. And I mean, it just gets talks about some really dark things. And then since it's a Victorian story, um, his daughter, Sophie gets sick and, and dies. That really messes up the family, uh, the dynamic, the, the marriage a little bit. And, and then one day when they're in town, his wife sees somebody else abusing their child and, and hears the child crying out and it, breaks her so much that she goes out and takes her own life. So this is dark, <laughs> but so then he's alone. And some years later, he's, he finds uh, an orphan girl who would have been about the age of his daughter uh, and she's deaf and she's mute. Uh, and so he, he, he buys her from somebody else. Like I, I think there's a lot of subtext there that I'm not sure I want to dig too much deeper into, but it could be that he, rescued her out of a pretty yucky situation. Sure. Sure. And like he he wants to make a deal with this guy who quote unquote owns her or has her uh and basically trades her for like six pairs of suspenders. Uh, you know, just the the lack of value on people's yeah. lives. Um and so this is why I say this is a really dark story, but but she's uh like I said, she's she's deaf and she's mute. And Victorian writers didn't always deal with disability well (laughs) yeah Uh, uh, i mean oftentimes they either flat out ignored it or thought that these people were subhuman somehow Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and so of course dickens wanting to bring light to people's plights you know he writes very favorably of this of this girl I, i i still think there are some things that don't translate well to our culture but he teaches her how to read teaches her how to how to communicate through sign language you know they they create their mm-hmm. own language and that's what i love about the story is that he uses um, story to to entertain her mm-hmm. um, and then at the end of the story she uh, he sends her to a school for the for the deaf 
she she learns basically a lot of the things he can't teach her. And so he mm-hmm. has to be apart from her for a couple of years. Uh, and then the end of the story, she, um, she they're reunited. She falls in love uh, with someone who's also deaf and, and gets married. And this is all, you know, from a father's point of view, it's just, you know, it's like, oh, <laughs> so sweet. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, did you cry while you were reading it? Uh, perhaps. And anyway, so she, they go to China uh, because he's like a, works in the office for some overseas company or something. And so she's gone for several years and Mm -hmm. mentions that she has a child and all this. And he's worried that their child will be born uh, uh, deaf as well. But then Mm -hmm. the story ends on Christmas Eve, the family comes back, he meets his granddaughter and she can actually hear and speak. And she's, she's, Hmm. this is where it gets kind of doesn't translate as well, you know, quote unquote normal. Right. Uh, so, you know, Dickens's point here is that in spite of their disabilities, they can be profitable members of society. They can have mm-hmm. families. They can have. They can produce children that are, um, you know, this is really awful to yeah. put it that way, but um, not disabled. I guess I'll put it that way. Now, of course, today I would say, well, it wouldn't have mattered if she was deaf or not. You know, that this child is healthy and right. vibrant, and she can communicate. And that's fine. So some of that stuff you got to sift through, but at its heart, I think it's just this beautiful story of an adopted of a father who adopted this child as his own and cared for her and loved her rather than just leaving her to the mercies of the streets. Mm-hmm. And um, what a power, powerful impact you can have on people that society would otherwise just disregard, you know, sure. I, I think still carries a punch today. Yeah. Plus it ends at Christmas. So it does. It does. It ends at Christmas time. Yeah. I think that this really is, I mean, both of us read older books and it is one of the challenges because culture has changed so much. I mean, Jane of Lantern Hill was, I think, written in the twenties, the 1920s. So, you know, it's about a hundred years old and Dickens is obviously older than that. And, you know, just finding Sometimes they really, it is hard to translate them across and to recognize how, um, what they were saying and how it would have been read in their own culture, as opposed to how it sounds today. You know, it's, it's Mm -hmm. one of the things that you think about as a librarian too, you know, it's like, is this okay? Mm -hmm. How do we, how do we deal with this stuff? I know people have tried to censor, um, and ban, you know, like Huckleberry Finn because of the N word, which is ugly, you know, but at the same time, it's also classic American literature. And actually Mark Twain's ideas about black people in that book are pretty forward thinking for the time period. And considering that he was a white guy. So I, you know, it's, it's hard, you know, and and these things are complicated, but you know, you have to think, think them through. And I mean, I think during the Victorian period for anyone to just treat disabled people like they were normal human beings is probably fairly unusual. So there's actually a couple novels too that address that. And I, I think in a very good light, um, Oh, now I can't think of the name of it, but it's a good one. <laughs> I just, I just finished listening to a book. It was called the boys in the bunkhouse. It's nonfiction and it's set in Texas and in Iowa. And it happened not very long ago that these, mm. Um, it started in like the sixties. I want to say they took these uh, mentally disabled men 
from Texas and they, they taught them to uh, do turkey processing mm-hmm. and um, eventually they moved them up to Iowa and they bought this old school building and they had these young men living in the school building and then working at a turkey processing plant. And at first it was pretty okay, considering it was like the sixties and the seventies and, but their conditions kept getting worse and worse and nobody really noticed that this was happening. And back in like 2009, so it really wasn't very long ago. So they got it to the uh, Iowa DO or DHS got a tip that said, go check this place out. And I mean, it was falling apart and there were, you know, rats and cockroaches and like all kinds of nasty stuff. And all these adult men living in this horrible squalor still in their sixties and seventies, like some of them were practically mm-hmm. disabled from the hard work of processing turkeys for 40 years. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. It just like, we like to think we're doing so much better, <laughs> but like yeah. when this started, my point was that when this started, like the very idea that handicapped people could hold down a job and be productive members of society was a new idea. Like it was actually very forward thinking when they first started it. And, and if it just, they weren't getting paid enough. And like, there was a lot of stuff that had happened mm. in the 40 years that the company was not keeping up with the times. Um, but it's a really interesting story. And it, it really does make you think about the way people with disabilities are are treated and are integrated into society. And um, I don't know. I feel like yeah. that's a little bit of a rabbit trail, but it was a book. So <laughs> yeah, it's, it's totally there. related, <laughs> um, but it didn't happen at Christmas, Christmas. <laughs> um, there were a few, there was a Christmas concert in the book in Jane of Lantern Hill. She got a cat for Christmas. There was Christmas. Anna Green Gables. She got a puffed sleeve dress for Christmas. She did get puffed sleeves for Christmas. I need to read that chapter on the podcast. I think that, you oh. should. That'd be adorable. Don't read the one from Jane of Lantern Hill because she does not like the cat. So, oh. <laughs> spoilers. <laughs> <laughs> Great. All right, here we are. Uh, I was just looking at some, what some of the others were reading. Uh, Sylvana said she's reading uh, "The Cricket on the Hearth" by Dickens. Have, have you read that one? I haven't. I've heard you talk about it. Yeah. Uh, it's one of his Christmas novels that um, actually doesn't take, that one doesn't take place at Christmas and has nothing to do with Christmas. Uh, but he it wrote it out, for Christmas, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. See, I, and, I've heard you talk about it and I was I listening. The, oh, look at that. <laughs> I think it's the third Christmas novel he made. The, um, the second one was the chimes, which is at new year's. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, it was a tradition. I don't know if it started in Victorian time, but it became very popular to give books to uh, as gifts, and especially b- books to children. It would be books with a very, very strong morality tale. Right. To it. <laughs> like, well, that's they. I w- I'm reading this book on the history of the library, and and during that time, they were very, very like the novel was kind of novel. <laughs> as it were. And they were like, there was a lot of very heavy censorship because people were worried that novels were ruining the morals of the people. And so that doesn't surprise me. Like part of the reason why um, books were so fat is because the one guy who um, 
was really selling most of the books in that time wanted to sell them as three part novels. And so they had to have like, you know, so like some, some of those books that really just feel like, man, we could have cut out the whole center part of that and had a perfectly fine book. It's because you literally could have, like, it was the author trying to like get the story long enough to put in three books, but that doesn't surprise me that like, that like they had to have these very strong morals (laughs) (laughs) because they're like, it's okay. If it's a novel, it's got morals. (laughs) That's right. Morality tale. It's fine. Oh boy. Some of them I've read. It's like, I feel like I'm getting hit over the head with it. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. Um, But yeah, that one is, is kind of neat. It, it uh, it's, there's a little bit of a a redemption story to it, but Mm -hmm. um, it's, it's, the, the crickets on the hearth are, are kind of a reference to the, uh, uh, I guess what we would call it, like the household gods that sure. watch the family interact. And so it's almost like this point of view from the cricket that lives in their hearth. I don't know. It, it's weird, but it's it's a good story. Um, you know, there's a reason the Christmas Carol is the, the right. most well-known one out of all of them. But Catherine said that she was reading M. King's Bodyguard which I had not heard of before. Mm -hmm. Uh, She said it's a mystery thriller set in 1800s England, and it has quite a few plot lines about family, Uh, namely the royal families of Europe that were all interconnected in some way, and also the humble story of the main character, a detective slash bodyguard to the Queen of England, bringing an informant in need of help into his own home. That That sounds really fun. Yeah, it does. That sounds cool. Uh, and then uh, Michelle was listening to a night circus, but uh, I don't think she said it was um, necessarily for the challenge. But <laughs> yeah, I don't know if I feel like that one had a very strong family theme, but I can't remember. It's been a few years since I read it. I haven't. That read was it a yet. really. You haven't read the night circus. No. Did you read the other one that she came out with, uh, Morgan Stern? Probably Aaron not. Morgan. No, I don't think so. I um, thought the I thought the night circus was better, but a lot of people liked the other one better. What was the other one? I can't remember the name of it. This is why I got invented Google, but I don't have my phone with me. So sorry. That's okay. Oh, uh, here we go. Katrina says that she read a book called Together Forever by Jody Hedlund. It's about the orphan trains in the 1850s. Mm-hmm. So it was more about creating new families as children stopped in different towns and were chosen by people uh, to join in their families. And it was book two in a series. Mm-hmm. I don't think I've ever heard about the orphan trains. Really? I have to yeah. look up at that one. Do you I, know about that or? A little bit. I think I've read a couple books. I, I haven't read that one, but I think, I think the library has the first one in that series. We might have the second one too. Oh. Um, another book that's really interesting about orphans, if that's something you're interested in, is Before We Were Yours by, I think it's Lisa Wingate. She, uh, that's a good, it kind of delves into the past of these orphans and then the like how that affects their lives as adults and stuff and their families. That would be a really good family themed book to read actually. All right. Well, since this is uh, partly for our Christmas podcast, let me ask you a couple of quick Christmas questions. Okay. And I'll let you get back to your nap. Yay nap. (laughs) All right. First of all, do you have a favorite Christmas movie? Oh boy. Um, I'm really bad with favorites. Um, I don't know. I have a hard time deciding favorites. Um, I have good memories of watching It's a Wonderful Life when I was a kid, which I know 
we ha- I know, look at that look on your face. When we had a discussion this year about whether it was really a Christmas movie and then you watched it and you're like, oh yeah, it is. Remember did, that. Did Remember they- that conversation? Yes. They have, they're yeah. having a Christmas party. Okay. It's literally, she's kids playing like Hark the Herald Angels sing over and over and over on the piano. It's a Christmas movie. Anyway. Okay. Um, <laughs> so, but I mean, mostly that one, like we watched it almost every year. So, and honestly, like as an adult, um, the movie Elf, just because we've watched it with the kids and laughed with them and had, I have fun memories of watching that one with them. So mm. I don't know if it's a favorite, like, like I said, I'm bad with favorites, but I enjoy watching those movies for old mm. Lang Syne. Okay. Then how about uh, your favorite Christmas music or song? That 100% depends on my mood. And a lot of it is very nostalgic for me. So when I was a kid, we always listened to um, Amy Grant's like old Christmas album from like 1982 or something. And so that music, I've always enjoyed that. Um, I also really like Stephen Curtis Chapman's Christmas music. But then, I mean, it's not really Christmas until you've danced around the kitchen with All I Want for Christmas is You turned way up really loud. And I 100% can hit all the high notes. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, you know, but then like, I also enjoy quiet, peaceful Christmas music and I enjoy singing Christmas carols. I like, I love Christmas music. There's a few things that I don't love as much, but mm-hmm. for the most part, I, I enjoy, I enjoy Christmas music. I like music generally speaking. So how about uh, any favorite Christmas traditions uh, or favorite memories from when you were a kid? Which one do you want? Yes. Memory tradition. Which one do you want? Oh no! Now I'm panicking. Now uh, you know what it's like. Uh, it's not so easy being on that side of the question. Is that? <laughs> How about a tradition? Okay, so um, as you know, we have lots of traditions around Christmas in our family. I love. I think it's one of the things I love about Christmas, and it's one of the things that's harder as the kids get older um, because the traditions kind of have to change a little bit, but. Um, but I mean, probably my favorite is Christmas Eve fondue. I don't know if you've talked about that on your podcast before. So, probably, but probably a lot. Yeah, yeah. It's just, <laughs> I mean, we when my family started doing that when I was like ten or eleven as a family, my parents have done it fondue on Christmas Eve since their first year together. Um, and we have not been nearly as nice as my parents were because we have not yet invited our children to join us <laughs> because it's just such a peaceful, sweet time together on Christmas Eve after like it yeah. it's just a nice way to kind of wind things down and and it's something to look forward to all day. So I I don't know. I every year I'm like we should talk about something really deep and important. We never do. It's always just like random stuff. But um I just I just enjoy it. It's it's okay. a fun tradition. And another just random tradition I do with the kids every year is take a picture of them at the top of the stairs before we let them down on Christmas morning. And I have like this mm-hmm. collection of pictures of them from like when Gracie was a year and a half old or so, like all the way up to this year. And, you know, at one point they could all sit on the same step and now they need three different stairs, you know? And, and, (laughs) but I, there's a few that are just really sweet. Um, One from several years ago and all the kids were wearing little stripy pajamas and they're all so excited and they're like looking down the stairs and, you know, I, that's just a little thing I do every Christmas and the kids kind of expect it. And I just think it's fun. It's not stressful like some traditions can get stressful and that one is just like, all right, everybody sit still for a minute and smiles. Like take your picture. And it's, I'm not, I, I don't enjoy stressful traditions when they start to feel, when they start to feel like, like stress, then it's not fun anymore. So. Uh, Well, Aaron, thank you for coming on. You're welcome. Art. (laughs) 
That's kind of weird. <laughs> yeah, you want to try it again? <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, my little schnicky wookie. Yes, my little sweetie weedums. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thanks for for coming on and and demanding to to have the microphone. That's because I deserve it. <laughs> uh, I will plan to have you back on again. In February, what's in what's the February. oh the reading challenge for February is the Grinch, so we have to read a story about uh, a redemption story Ooh. of an unlikable character. So, right, but the Grinch is kind of likable when he's not likable. Honestly, I mean, okay, so so this is my thing about Jim Carrey's Grinch is that I like how his character is still kind of cranky <laughs> at the even <laughs> yeah. after he's been like redeemed or whatever yes yes (laughs) like i just like him he's so stupid anyway yeah we can talk about that next next month okay it definitely will um but yeah and that's where i say you can really stretch the definition of unlikable to be you know like scrooge is unlikable but i don't know there's still something about him that well i don't know anyway but yeah so stretch the definition of unlikable and at, at, however you see fit, if it's a redemption story, even I, I think that counts. Um, I'm going to read the Bible. Oh, look at that. <laughs> that sounds boring. Okay. Well, let me take this cross down. <laughs> uh, anyway, so that's uh, the reading challenge for February. Yes. What better month? To read a story about having your heart grow three sizes too big Aww. in the month of February. So sweet. Where card companies force you to buy chocolate and cards for your significant other. Just let's be clear. It's your significant other forcing you to buy chocolates and flowers. You don't have to buy me a card, though. Oh, okay. Then we win and the card company loses. There we go. <laughs> We're beating the system. Yeah. <gasps> All right. Well, so if you if you all liked Aaron being on, let me know. Um, if you hated her, then I won't don't, have her back on ever again. Don't tell us. <laughs> don't. It will make me cry. I have very sensitive feelings. That's true. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> this is a pot calling the kettle black here. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. <laughs> all right. Uh, Aaron, I'll let you get back to your nap. Hey, <laughs> so, thank you for having me on. You're welcome. And... Uh, so if you have questions for her, uh, I think this whole idea of asking a librarian anything sounds like fun. So uh, just understand yeah. that my experience is in a library with two employees and only three years. So my, it's limited. Or um, ask a podcast wife anything. Ask a Christmas fanatic wife anything. <laughs> you know, how, how do you handle the 24-7 Christmas cheer that, that pours forth? Mm, it is a challenge. There's a challenge. <laughs> I'm going to push in now. All right. All right. I'll see you soon. Uh, I hope so. <laughs> okay. Bye-bye. All right. That will wrap up things for today. So our reading challenge for February is going to be The Grinch. Read a book about a redemption of an unlikable character. So you could read The Grinch. You could read A Christmas Carol. I I will see you Wednesday on the social medias. Let me know what you might read for that challenge. Oh, before I forget, 
somebody had an idea. Silvana, uh, one of our listeners, she had the idea of maybe once a month or so having a a group chat together, like on Zoom or or something uh, along those lines, to talk about what we're reading and, and just make it like a uh, book club kind of thing online get together. I actually had that idea as well. Something I was kind of kicking around in the back of my head. I wanted to wait and see what kind of response there was to this, if we had enough people to even do that. Uh, I I think we probably will have at least a couple. So if that's something you would be interested in doing, uh, let me know uh, in the comments or on one of my social medias or uh, send me an email to cozychristmaspodcast at gmail.com and I'll see who's interested and see if that's not something we can get together here. I would love to do that. I'd uh, love to see your faces and get a chance to interact with you. Uh, we might even kind of change it up. Maybe one month do an in-person Zoom meeting. Maybe another month I would do a uh, like a, a, a live YouTube video or something along those lines. But uh, yeah, that's some things I've been thinking about doing here with this book club and just to, to get together at some point. Uh, online. I think that would be a blast. So if you're interested in doing that, let me know and uh, I'll start getting a list together of of people who might want to do that. All right. uh, So that about does it for our episode today. As always, I thank you for listening. I thank you for sharing and leaving a rating and review. Uh, If you'd like to help support the show in a financial way, I have uh, my Etsy store is still up as well as you can uh, donate to the show on Kofi.com. And with every donation, I will send you a cozy Christmas bookmark. I owe several people bookmarks right now that I uh, have not yet got into the mail. So uh, if, if you're one of them, just hang tight. Uh, it's coming. Don't worry. Uh, I'll send you a bookmark. Uh, that, and that, again, that's uh, Kofi.com. That's uh, ko-fi.com backslash cozy Christmas. And for any uh, donation amount, I'll send you a cozy Christmas bookmark. So thank you uh, again for listening. And as always, I hope that you are being kind to each other and to yourself. And remember that there is nothing in the world so irresistibly contagious as laughter and good humor. Have a very Merry Christmas. Christmas.